Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Stand, stand, stand clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Joining me today, the one, the only, the leader of the NFL Subway Sports Talk picks competition, first placed, Coney O'Connor. What's up, brother? Yo, I'm glad you kept it that way, Pete, because it got dicey with your nice 3-0, and keeping me... Uh... You know, keeping me honest on my heels, but uh, two and one, you know, I, I guess this is what I get for betting on the Philadelphia um, community, I guess, if you will, because mm-hmm. I've been so far on the other side, right? So, you know, I get what I deserve. They'd only gone their entire franchise's history without losing to the Jets, um, but all it took was a, a little nudge from your pal Cody to keep me from being three, you know, but I'll take two and one. Picks are still flying. Boys are still above 500. Let's roll. The boys are looking really good above 500. And with this week, we went exactly 500. So we were 6-6 six and six combined. With okay. I went 3-0. and oh, Pat went 0-3. Oh you went 2-1 and one and Mark went 1-2. and two, Perfectly even. And that means, Cody, still no losing weeks. We, we've had losing weeks as individuals. But as a unit, as a whole, Subway Sports Talk picks have not been losers yet through six weeks, which I think is pretty impressive. We deserve a pat on the back. And to the people who are out there listening, because I see the numbers, there might be some more people listening to the Wednesday pod than the Picks pod. And I'm just telling, telling you right now, you might have to be checking out the Picks pod on Friday because not only is it fun and entertaining, mm. the boys ain't losing right now. The boys are not losing. Cody, you are 12 and 6. Correct. I am 11, 6, and 1. So you got me in the win column. Mm. Uh, Pat Boyle is 9 and 9. And Mark Shenlugan is eight and 10. So we're doing good. We're above 500 by nine games, I believe still. Uh, and we're going to keep that thing pushing mm. today. However, which I buried the lead already, Cody, but that's okay. Cause you saw the title of the podcast. I assume, you know why we're here. We're here to talk about the NBA. We're here to do a wonderful episode. We did it similarly, Cody and I for the NFL, where we talked about at large, some of the great storylines going on. And we did it in a fun gimmick where we do a storyline draft. So how that works, Cody and I will go back and forth. We will draft five storylines across the NBA each, and then there'll be no contest of who's better other than some pride on this very podcast of who got the juicy, juicy stuff that always exists in this league that we also love very much. So we're all hardcore into this NFL season right now. We're entering week seven. We're in week seven actually right Mm -hmm. now. But don't forget, people, the NBA season starts one week from when we're recording this podcast. Can you believe that? Because I cannot. So what we will do to give you some programming notes and reminders, Cody and I, NBA storylines draft right now. Next week, possibly comboed with some football talk. It kind of depends on how the week goes. But we will do a full-fledged New York basketball preview, focusing mostly on the Knicks. But we will hit the Brooklyn Nets as well. So... NBA at large preview right now, Knicks, Nets preview next week, football talk, always picks on Friday. Cody, really, really fast before we get to the NBA. The Giants. Mm. I just got, we got, I got to get something from you right here on wax, on a record for how you're feeling uh, after that devastating yet still kind of 
understanding loss. I don't know how to explain it. Why don't you try? Well, they're a 14 and a half point dog. So covering with ease, like just taking yourself away from the actual Giants fandom is like, hey, you know, they played a tough, hard-nosed football game. They played a good, complete defensive game. I mean, Josh Allen being held to 14 points, I know they score late, but that's a pretty damn good effort on the defensive side. The secondary highlighting Deontay Banks, which we've done a couple times already, but he continues to impress, continues to shine. I know that uh, Stefan Dix still had a nice game, but to, again, hold that offense the way they did was impressive. Um, Now, their own offense obviously has their issues, their health concerns. Andrew Thomas, who... I said weeks ago before he went out, I thought he was the most important player on this offense, and I stand by that because not only is he the left tackle, the most important position on that side of the ball, but he, or one of, he is also going to, um, when he's out, more people have to step up and other guys that you are already not very familiar with or reliant upon are having to step up. So um, that is tough. If I had come on weeks ago, I would have probably been hollering and yelling about what they have done and their inability to capture the moment or or capitalize on opportunity. But that's just seemingly who they are. I am not giving up on Dayball and Joe Shane. I'm not going to sit here and call for their jobs. They, They absolutely need minimum another year. You can't keep having this turnover. So, um, it's frustrating The thing that I point out when it was the Seattle-Miami game, which I hadn't really talked about much, was the fact that I thought Seattle and Miami both played really poor games, very sloppy. Seattle kept them around in that game, um, and the Giants just did not want to take it, and that was with the season hanging in the balance. So that was really frustrating. Miami turned the ball over three times, and I saw this stat where um, teams who win the turnover battle by three or more win the game 91% of the time. They go on to win the football wow. game 91% if you win the turnover battle by three. The Giants won that turnover battle by three, including an interception return for a touchdown, and they lost that game by 15 points. So they are just, they're just not in the same realm, stratosphere as some of the teams they just got stacked up against. You hoped Seattle was one that they were. They proved they are not. And to me, this is a season that you are already looking towards possibly selling assets at the deadline and just seeing what you're going to go for next year, what the future holds. Um, It's unfortunately a lost season, but once they lost that Seattle game, that was the reality I think we all saw coming. Yeah, and to piggyback off that, I'll just talk about one of my students actually is a huge Giants fan. I'll give him a shout-out. He deserves it. He runs his own Giants page, NYG Network, on Instagram and Twitter. Great stuff by him. Proud of him for what he's accomplishing with that page but he is one of those fans who lives and dies by everything, right? So he thought we had a chance on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, and he was right that we had a chance, and I was poo-pooing that idea that we had a chance. He was right. They had a chance. They still lost. However, he's also the type of guy who's then ready to sell for Caleb Williams, and and it's really weird that sometimes the fans like that can, can see both sides so clearly, but they can't let go of Sundays. They can't let go of that. The problem with that idea is I think the Giants are the same way, Cody, where for all the ideas of selling pieces and looking towards next year may be true, there are some games coming up in the next couple of weeks that are winnable games. So what do the Giants do in classic Giants fashion? 
is maybe they even sell a few pieces. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're going to win some of these games as we approach the end of the season. They're going to end up with six, seven wins for no reason at all because they're not very good football team right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And we're going to look back and say, the Giants never had a chance. They mm-hmm. can't punch up. They can only beat mediocre or bad teams at best. And now we're looking at the ninth pick in the draft, which is fine, but not what you need to recalibrate a franchise. And unfortunately, we as Giants fans have seen this year over year over year, basically since the last Super Bowl, and they have not been able to hit a hard reset. The only time they had a chance was the Saquon Barkley draft. And for what it's worth, the pick was right, wrong. It doesn't matter because almost all of those quarterbacks did not hit in such a manner where it changed the um uh, the, the course of that franchise anyway, right? Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, you could argue, but he was yeah. looked at clearly as, as below those guys. So it is what it is, but that's where the giants are right now. And unfortunately I can see a future where if they sneaky, get six, seven wins, all of a sudden there's an inkling of hope. They play some of those harder games again and you end the season seven and 10. Wow. Right back in the middle of the pack. And yeah, that's, the, that's the crappy part of it. I'm exactly that guy too, Pete. Like if they win, say the next three, which are winnable, right? It's it's tough, but it's winnable. Uh, and they're four and five. I promise you I'll be all the way back in because that's what you do as a fan, at least a good one, right? That's just what you do. You talk yourself into it. You give yourself hope when if you're not part of the fan base, you can look at it with a clear lens and say, you're nuts, but I'm nuts. So I'm going to get myself back in if they give me the chance even as that Buffalo game started getting closer and they're, you know, it's weaning down the time and it's third quarter, fourth quarter, and they're in it or with a lead. And I'm like, damn it, I want them to win this game because I just want to care next week and the week after that. I didn't care that Buffalo was one of my two survivor picks with the Eagles being the other one. I would have gladly gotten bounced out of survivor to keep the Giants' hopes alive. That's just who I am, where I'm at, and where I'll always be. It's a good fan. Good fan. No Damn. Shen Lugan fan over Damn here. Straight. That's right. But unfortunately, it leads us to this middle ground where it's just like, I don't know what to do with my hands. And it leads us to this place. And here's a nice professional segue for you where you're watching Frank Nilakina minutes just a little too closely thinking he's got juice. It, it happens too frequently in these New York sports teams where the Knicks, the Giants, the Jets, the Mets have been there. The Mets were there this year, if we're being completely honest. Oh, yeah. The Yankees, the Yankees too, uh, where you're watching Frank Nilakina on game 64 and he scores 16 points and you're like, listen, I'm telling you, Frank Nilakina, dude, just give him some time. He's got some juice. (laughs) He got minutes all season. Look what could have happened. Right. We're back. We're back. And that's basketball segue for you. So we will, we will move on. I will at least say this, the jets won. And that was pretty cool. Jets showed up. Season is alive for the New York jets. They're three and three. You could argue three and three with Aaron Rodgers was a reasonable expectation based off the teams that they played. So shout out to the Jets. That defense, just a special performance by them. And the offense doing just enough to get the job done, which the Giants have not been able to do this year. And now the Jets have done three times, basically, give or take. One one time the offense really didn't do anything at all. But it is what it is. Three and three. Congrats, Jets. Your season's alive. Giants, I guess we'll see what happens. Excuse me, but let's move on. Subway Sports Talk, Cody O'Connor, Pete Kennedy. It's time. For the NBA storylines draft. Cody, did you have something to say? But saw you put your finger up. Was that just you being being excited? Just excited. There we go. That's okay. NBA storylines draft. Five picks each. 
back and forth, no snake, not necessary in this format. So Cody O'Connor, I'll just say this real quick before I give you the ball. Oh, the parameters of this draft are pretty wide open. It doesn't have to be a super duper specific player or team or storyline uh, outside of that thing. It could be a little overarching here. It could be a little bit of abstract there. We know the rules. We're here to have fun. We're here to talk hoops and preview this NBA season, which is getting kind of exciting. So, Cody, kick us off with your first pick in the NBA draft. All right. This is how I did the NFL one. Same thing. It, this number one pick is my number one pick because it's what I'm going to watch the closest. And I did it with the Giants being the one to lead my NFL draft. And my Oklahoma City Thunder are going to lead my NBA draft because – now there is a point where a lot of the media seems to be hopping on this bandwagon, if you will, of what OKC can be, how talented they are, not just looking at the picks that they've stashed for the future, but what they are actually putting out on the floor right now. And it's exciting. And they are in a spot where they were in the play-in last year, won one of the play-in games, got bounced in the second. That was a very good step. Can they build on it? I asked if the Giants could build on it. Unfortunately, it looks like my answer to that is no. However, Oklahoma City is in a very different predicament and situation than the Giants were. And this is a team that is super young, that has a top 10, 11, 12-ish player, depending on your rankings. I don't think you can really put SGA any further down than about 12th on this list. The dude is that good, that impactful. He's both sides of the floor, smooth as can be, just a phenomenal player to watch. But he's not alone. It's the young talent with Josh Giddy next to him, J-Dub, Jalen Williams next to him, who second half of the year could have been the rookie of the year. And he was, I think he finished second in rookie of the year voting, if I'm not mistaken. He was right up there. And they have yeah. loads of talent behind that. Um, but they're adding Chet Holmgren this year. And Chet is the guy, at least the type of player that they exactly needed. And we've talked about this before where Oklahoma City was like a piece away. It was a rim-protecting big who could end possessions on the defensive side with a rebound, who could keep possessions alive on the offensive side by doing the same thing, who is more than just – and this guy is, is not just a pre, uh, post presence. He can spread the floor. I mean, he's got that unicorn. He is – not the same caliber as Wembenyama, but he was held in a, a similar regard or looked at similar, similarly. It's just Wembenyama is like a one-of-one one LeBron James and then Wembenyama prospect-wise. But back to Chet, his fit for this team is perfect. Like I said, the, the rim protecting um, and the mindset and the things I keep hearing and seeing is what's so exciting to me about guys like Kevin Garnett talking about his, his attitude and, and what he sees in him and like, what he can bring to the table right away and, and things along those lines that I'm like, damn, he got a year to watch this team to just be hungry. He's healthy as can be. And he rounds that out so well. So Josh Giddy and SGA, and you still got Lou Dort, who's somehow like 23, 24. Um, J-Dub, who I mentioned, the other Jalen Williams. I mean, I can't, I can't, the, the list goes on and on. Guys like Aaron Wiggins, you're probably not going to hear about. They just traded Victor Oladipo because they just don't have space for some of these guys. They are that loaded from one through 15 ish 
They're going to make some moves. They're going to make some cuts. And I'm excited to see who's on the roster. And I'm excited to see if they can get themselves out of the play-in and into that top six, solidify a spot in a West that is a juggernaut. There are 10, 11, 12, maybe 13, if you want to throw in the Spurs, teams in the West that are going to compete. Somebody's got to be knocked out. Um, it's going to be an awesome thing to see, but they are going to be fun. They're going to be exciting. They're my number one storyline. Probably went a little too much, but that's the excitement coming out right now because they've got pieces, they've got guys, and they got a great coach in Mark D, whose last name I don't try to pronounce, but <laughs> he uh, he's a really good coach and has those boys flowing. So it's fun to watch. I can't I can't wait. Now, so to our listeners out there who may not realize that you are like truly an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, like that's your team, right? Mm-hmm. So. To them who now heard this, like, oh, that's a homer pick. It's not. That's on my list, too. Yeah. Thunder are on my list. I'm not a Thunder fan. I have been appreciating Shea Gil- Gil- uh, Gilgis Alexander since he joined the league. I was a big Josh Giddy guy, so I'm happy that he's kind of coming to fruition. J-Dub, Jalen Williams, had clearly looks like one of those dudes who's going to have an incredibly long, successful career that every single team would want. You know, he actually looked to do probably, I'll say this, he did more sooner than Mikael Bridges. But the Mikael Bridges idea of like, okay, he's probably not a one mm-hmm. on a great team. He can be for periods, but he's like a great two, three guy, and he does a lot of good things. If you didn't watch him, do yourself a favor. Like, tune into the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're fun. They play fast. They play hard mm-hmm. defense. J-Dub, Giddy, Shagels, Alexander, <clears throat> excuse me, are incredible, and the Chet piece is really, really cool. So let me go through the numbers really quick. Their over-under on DraftKings is 44 and a half. Last year, they won 40 games and made the play-in tournament. So you're looking at them to get a little bit better, which makes a lot of sense from their roster perspective. What makes it difficult to project, if you are going to look at this over-under, is how freaking good mm-hmm. the Western Conference is. Like I'm just going to start reading team names, and you're going to start thinking to yourself, playoff team, playoff team, yeah. playoff team, playoff team, playoff team. Well, there only can be six and then uh, four in the play-in, right? So Denver Nuggets, Memphis Grizzlies, maybe we'll see what happens with Jabba, mm-hmm. Memphis Grizzlies, Sacramento Kings, Phoenix Suns, Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, Timberwolves, Dallas Mavericks, Utah Jazz in that same ilk as the Thunder right now. Yeah, What's going on with all these teams? You mentioned the Spurs as well, the Pelicans as well. If they're yeah. healthy, God forbid. All these teams think they're playoff teams. Some of these teams think they might be play-in teams. Can the Thunder take that step that puts them above that? I think they freaking can. They're so good. They're so deep. And to segue into my first pick, what happens with so many of these teams, especially with you and I, Cody, being on the East Coast, a lot of like regular fans, I'm not going to say casuals because that always has a negative uh, uh, connotation. Regular type NBA fans, they watch their Knicks. If we have friends in the Philly area, they watch their Sixers a lot. They watch their Nets a lot. Celtics fans, we're watching our teams. It's almost similar to baseball in that sense where you're watching your team an inordinate amount compared to the other teams. Only the freaks like you and I, Cody, are watching <laughs> you know, Pacers versus Pistons on a Tuesday night. That's what we do, and that's why we're on this podcast to tell you about some of these teams you should look out for. It happened with the Denver Nuggets. Mm. All these people out here saying Joel Embiid is better than Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic is not actually an MVP caliber player. He can't carry a team. He's not going to do this. They didn't watch him. Yeah, You didn't just admit it. So many of you people who did not believe in Nikola Jokic, you didn't watch him play basketball enough. It's just facts, okay? 
And I'm telling you that if you haven't watched enough of the Oklahoma City Thunder, watch Shea Gilgis Alexander. Cody said he's at minimum a top 12 player. You can make the argument he's a top six player in the league right now, and you're not being crazy. That's how freaking awesome he's been for the past two seasons. And the giddy Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren piece is huge. They are clearly a candidate for the biggest riser in the NBA this year. And I understand your hesitation, Cody, with more and more media pundits getting on that wagon. It it would make me super nervous as a fan as well. It makes me nervous to back them as a better, but I am locked in because this team is exciting. And it's almost going to be one of those things where they got to figure out who's getting minutes and who's not because they got this guy coming over from overseas who was an MVP in one of the top Euro leagues, uh, right, Michich? Yes, Michich. Case and uh, Wallace is – or Kassan Wallace first is the big first-round pick. Yep. People love him, thought he fell a little bit in the draft and went to a great spot. There's dudes Usman, up and down. Uh, Usman Jang, I don't think I said that right, but um, Usman, yeah, know who I'm talking about. I'm looking at the roster now because I knew I'd forget names. Um, Isaiah Joe, who was a 40-plus percent three-point shooter last year. Aaron Wiggins is a guy I don't think gets a lot of like conversation, and maybe rightfully so, but they are yeah. deep. They are loaded, and uh, it you said it. Yeah, so I'm I'm in. Uh, if you did not pick them one or two, they were probably going to go in my three slot. But I had a good feeling, Cody, that you would pick them. I had to put them in, in the in the beginning. I will say uh, this: I don't know that I want to bet their win total, not just because I'm already locked in, but you said it. The juggernaut of the West. It's just tough, you know. Forty five wins is a very solid season. That pretty much, I don't think it guarantees, but it all but guarantees that you're in the top eight at least, and hosting a play-in game. So 45 is tough. I think they can do it. Obviously, they have room to go well above that too, but uh, it's it's a very tough number. So I, I don't want it to be confused with bet this number, and this should be fun and exciting. And I'm just trying to find really quick on their playoff odds. If I can pull it up here, yeah. All right, here we go. Their playoff odds are minus 135, Cody, to make the playoffs. So that that means either making the play in and getting through okay. the play in or just being a playoff team. So minus 135 in their favor a little bit. Teams in that same ilk, Pelicans, Timberwolves, yeah. they're minus 150 in that in that range. So a little bit tougher, maybe according to Vegas, but they're a team to watch. If they're on national TV, if you got the league pass, you got to tap in to some Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm. All right. I said I was segueing before to my first pick, so I'm just going to go right to it. No playing with my food on this pick. I'm going with the Denver Nuggets, Cody. That's my big storyline to watch. I don't know how serious they're going to take this regular season, but their pride is definitely real. And their now race to a second title is going to be on. They're going to try to be knocked down by this juggernaut of a Western Conference. They're going to be attacked and given their best effort by every single team all year long. And Nikola Jokic followed up his first MVP with a second MVP. Now can he follow up his first title with a second title? We know how hard it is to repeat in any league in the, uh, in the USA, in, in the world, basically, to be a repeat champion is very, very difficult. This team has what it takes. My, second, my first storyline, second one overall in this draft here, has to be the Denver Nuggets. If you're not tapped in to Nikola Jokic now, you never watched him before, you didn't watch him in the finals, you're not an NBA fan. You might be a fan of the Knicks. You might be a fan of the Sixers. You're not an NBA fan because my dog is electric. He's awesome. He's one of the best players that I've ever watched. 
I'm willing to go above and beyond to say whatever I need to say to let you understand how awesome he is. And Jamal Murray, right there with him, going up the ladder of guards in the NBA. He's never been given the full credit, and that was large in part because the injury came as he was peaking. Well, he peaked again last year in the playoffs. This team is must-watch television. This team is awesome, and they're going to look to defend the title, and it's not going to be easy, Mm -hmm. but I still think sitting here today, they should be and are the big-time favorite in this league. Now, betting their over-under is maybe something you don't want to do. It's 53.5, 52.5. Depends on what uh, juice you want to lay on that bet there. But they're basically a walking 50-win team. Yep. They're deep. They did lose some pieces, so that's going to be one thing to keep an eye out. Bruce Brown leaving yep. Denver. It seems like it wouldn't be a huge deal, but Bruce Brown, if you watch them, was so important to what they did. His defensive tenacity, his fast break ability, all that stuff was awesome. So the Christian Brown of it all becomes that much more important for him to play even more minutes and continue to be effective. Michael Porter Jr.'s health continues to be important. Uh, Obviously, same thing with Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic. That goes without saying, but this team still has all the pieces. They still have the MVP in my eyes. He's not obviously the MVP from last year, but one of the best player in the league right now in Nicole Jokic. I'm locked in. You should be too. Easy pick for me for my first one of this NBA storylines draft. You got to see if the Denver Nuggets can defend the title. And I think that basically anything less than a finals appearance this year, barring some big injuries, would be a massive disappointment. And I don't think they're going to let us down, Cody. You know what came to mind as you were talking about Joker? And uh, hopefully you can help me with this because I don't know which announcer this one is. But the classic, uh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. Sacramento Kings. Who, okay, so I, I first of all, I love that. I love the pick. The Nuggets um, are just they just gel, and it's all Joker, and it's all from what he does. And we talked about it. I don't need to add much more. Um, it's a great pick. I think they are. They have to be the favorites in the West, and probably to this point in the league because. And I'm going to professionally segue to the second pick for myself, third overall, um, to the other two teams that made big moves in the East. The Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm kind of wrapping it into one because you said no parameters, no rubric on this one, so I'm I'm going freestyle action. Um, Boston and Milwaukee, just as a whole, my first part is, can anybody in the East even come close to these two? Like, Can, can anyone actually compete with them? Because you look down the list at what Philly has got going on and the whole situation, which I do have on my list, but it's so low it won't get there. But the Maury and Harden thing and and a team that has already had so many early playoff exits and, and woes and, and frustrations and all that. And then you bring this in to start a season, all the distractions. Could it come together? Sure. They have the talent, right? They have Tyrese Maxey and James Harden and Joel Embiid, which is a pretty legitimate big three. But they got a lot of question marks to go with it. Cleveland fizzled out um, against our Knicks last year, but you know they do they take a step forward? I, I don't think they have nearly enough to what Boston and Milwaukee has done. So um, with Boston, I think on the podcast in the summer or at some point we talked about this, where I said Boston needs to do something. I don't know exactly what the something is, and then boom, they go out and get Porzingis, and I was like, wow. That is perfect for them. Big rim protector, spreads the floor. He can run an offense through him, but he doesn't have to with this team. Little bit of heat off of Brown, little bit off of Tatum. Um, Derek White has looked phenomenal with that team, so you kind of round it out. 
And all of a sudden, you add Drew Holiday as well, which came obviously after the Milwaukee move, but just sticking with Boston, Drew Holiday to round out that five that I just mentioned with Derek White, Tatum, Brown, and and Porzingis. First of all, a group that can switch on just about anything defensively, a very scary defensive rotation. Anytime Jason Tatum's got it going, he is a bucket that cannot be stopped. Once he's got it going, he cannot be stopped. Doesn't have to be him because you've got Jalen Brown. As long as he's not dribbling too much with his left hand, he's such a force to be reckoned with. Then you had a presence of Drew Holiday, who is a champion, who has made big-time plays and big-time runs. And not like Boston hasn't been there, but you just add the guy who's who's gone over the top with a hungry piece in Kristaps Porzingis, who has been good and he was healthy last year, but he was with a team that wasn't necessarily in that mix for for anything other than maybe a play-in. Now you add him to that mix. I, I just love what they did. And I think there's two teams in the East and the other one, Milwaukee, because you lose Drew Holiday, which does hurt, right? There is a little bit of a subtraction there, especially on the defensive side. But think about the floor spacing, Pete, that Giannis is going to have because he's got one of the most prolific three-point shooters in the league. If you go outside of Steph Curry, I think the next guy you talk about is Dame Lillard as far as off the dribble, anywhere, anytime, Dame time. I mean, it's stupid. So you have the outside level. You've got Giannis on the inside. Oh, and please don't forget about the mid-range assassin and Chris Middleton because they have it at each level on the offensive side. And I don't know how to measure who is above who, so I'm not trying to do that right now. But I guess I question you or anyone, does anyone have a chance in the East or is it as simple as it's a runaway and the Knicks, Cavs, and et cetera are competing, Sixers say, are competing for third place? It's 100% a runaway with those two teams. Uh, I think a good way to look at it is who's like – this is how Kirk Goldsberry, he's an analyst with ESPN. He does great stuff on Twitter and Instagram. If you need a good NBA follow, Kirk Goldsberry. Kirk Goldsberry, all these wonderful graphics, some analytics stuff, some straight up just like eye test stuff that he does is really, really good. He labeled it like this. He called them best in show, and he has the Nuggets, Bucks, and Celtics, right? That makes sense. Those are the top three contenders in the league. It's not even close. Agreed. After that, he has spicy contenders, right? That includes the Suns, the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Cavs, which I, I found a little bit interesting, mm. being that the Cavs didn't exactly get a ton better uh, as they were last year. They did get bounced and overshadowed in the playoffs because they couldn't even beat the, the Knicks last year. The Bucks and the Celtics are just not even close. The Cavs added Max Struess. Okay, they added Max Struess. That's nice. They get um, Imani Bates in the draft. Everyone's kind of hyping him up as a preseason guy, as a summer league guy. Like, okay, Imani Bates, he's going to be – a game changer for the Cavs? Right. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know about that. that early, the biggest ad, The biggest ad for them is Georges and Yang, to be quite honest. And he's a guy who is a big time shot maker. He can do some good stuff. I like Georges Yang yeah. a lot, especially when spacing became a big time issue for them with Mobley and Allen being on the floor so much and not being able to do a ton offensively. So I do like the ads from a you know marginal in like in, increase in their output, if you will. But I don't think they're even close to what you just explained with the Celtics or the Bucks. If I had to pick a side on the Celtics or Bucks, though, my nerves are just a little bit more tense with the Milwaukee Bucks 
based off the fact that Dame Lillard has dealt with injuries, mm. Chris Middleton has dealt with injuries, Brooke Lopez is one year older, Jay Crowder is one year older, and I just get a little bit nervous, a little bit weary, thinking about Dame Lillard having 30, Giannis having 35, Middleton being hurt, and Pat Connaughton is their third leading scorer with eight points, right? So their depth makes me just a little bit nervous from a defensive standpoint, from an offensive standpoint. They're going to be so fun. I can't wait to watch Dame and Giannis kind of figure it out. And honestly, don't sleep on the Dame Brook Lopez pick and roll either because that floor spacing looks even better when Brook is hitting shots and Bobby Portis as well. So the Bucks are fine. I'm not worried about them overall. But if I had to pick a side, I would just lean Celtics because that depth is serious. The health is a little bit better for them um, from like a, a recent history standpoint. But my God, there is a chance that the Bucks are just so fun. For everything they lost on defense, they gained that much more on offense. So it stinks to lose Drew, but it makes sense that they're taking this risk and putting an all-time shooter next to an all-time rim runner and attacker in Giannis. Uh, I, I'm thrilled to watch them play. And there's no one close in in the uh, in the East to answer your question. I did Cody. make a mistake, and I can't believe I made it because we made it all last year. But it, we, I do have to mention the Miami Heat in that conversation oh. of Philly and yeah. Cleveland God and the it. Knicks. And I just did it again, and I'm like, did I really do what we did all of last? But I did. Um, yeah. So they will be heard from because they're the zombies, as Bill Simmons likes to say. They will never be killed. And uh, they'll be around. They'll be heard from. And, and it's going to be interesting with the Heat if they could um, make any moves here. Like, is Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero going to be a Heat member throughout the rest of this year? Like, I, Hero it's seems, tough to say. He seems to be the the trade piece that they're most willing to give up, but is also like the 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 best prospect. I know he's not a you know a prospect like he's not in the league, but the best guy available for them. Where they're like, we right. will give him up. This is our big piece that we'll move from. Like, obviously, Kyle Lowry they'll move from, but he's, what, 38, 39? You know, he's obviously not the same guy he once was. So Tyler Hero seems to be the guy if they're going to try and move him to get someone bigger to pair with Jimmy Butler and Bam. But it it seems like it doesn't matter. Somehow, like, there's going to be a new Max Struess and a new Gabe Vincent this year. And you'll be like, where did they come from? How did they keep doing this? So I, I had to make sure I brought them up because they're at least in the category of we're going to try and punch up to get to Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah, and I don't know if this is knocking the heat out of our draft now because we're talking about them at length here, but some of the pieces to take over the Struess and Gabe Vincent roles are going to be different type of people. So Josh Richardson joins the club in Miami. He's a guy who's had varying success in his career. He's looked awesome as a role player. He's looked irrelevant as a role player in different stops along the way. We'll see what he can do in Miami. Can Kevin Love be healthy and effective? We'll see about that. Then Nikola Jovic, not Jokic, Nikola Jovic is a rookie last year. Now he's in his second year. He's a guy people are kind of excited about. We'll see what he can do. He's kind of like a four who's pretty versatile offensively. He's pretty big. If Jovic can be something, we'll see. Caleb Martin Mm -hmm. building off that playoff that he had last year. He can be a mainstay in this rotation. Now you don't want to forget about him. And then the the sneaky one that people are excited about is Jaime Jaquez out of UCLA. People are saying that he's just a basketball player. He's a hooper. He's physical. He's not a huge above the rim type of guy, but the IQ is elite. His skill is really, really strong. He can shoot a little bit. 
So the Heat are zombies and they're alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're in the game for sure. But if you look at Vegas real quick, the odds kind of throw me off a little bit. And maybe it's just because the West is so strong. But the Celtics and Bucks have the two best odds to win the championship at plus 400. Nuggets plus 550. Then you get four West teams in a row before you get to the Sixers. And then you get two more West teams before you get to the Heat at plus 2,800. So I guess we uh, we shall see if the Heat can continue to stay alive. I'll move on to my second pick. And I'm going to go wide net on this one as well, Cody. I'm not going with the obvious 2023 draft class. I'm going to the 2022 draft class because for all the excitement we get about rookies every year, it is quite rare to see rookies make a lasting impact in that first year on winning teams, often because the best players go to teams that are not ready to win, and often because the team, the players that are decent usually don't play a huge role on the winning teams they get drafted to late in the first round. However, we have a few guys from the 2022 draft class that I'm extremely excited about, some of which played some pretty big roles already in their first year. So I'm going to highlight a few guys here that I have a key eye on going into this next season who are going to be big-time risers, lifters of their franchises, because I think we have a few guys who, if they're not cornerstones by themselves, they are key, key role players on some pretty good teams. So I'll start off with none other than Paolo Bancaro. I thought he was awesome last year. I was very high on him coming into the draft. I thought he was the right number one pick in that draft, even though your boy Chet is also in this conversation. But Paolo Bancaro just came off the FIBA World Championships, was a key component for them there. He was really good offensively last year. He's so big. He's so smooth. His shot was not super consistent, only 30% from three, but his playmaking was really good. His scoring inside is near elite already just in his second year. I think Paolo and this Orlando Magic team can be very exciting. Maybe a play-in type team. But Paolo can establish himself alongside a Franz Wagner as a cornerstone of a franchise who we can see in the playoffs every single year. Maybe not this year, but getting close to knock on that door this year and then moving forward. On from there, Chet Helmgrim, you already talked about with Oklahoma City. Excited to see what he brings to their dynamic. Jabari Smith on Houston had a pretty rough start to his career, about as bad as it could go but he was on a team that didn't make sense for him. Kevin Porter Jr. no longer there in Houston. They bring in Fred Van Vliet, which will be huge for Jamari Smith rather than Jalen Green, kind of not knowing how to run a team just yet. So I'm excited to see Jabari Smith. The next big one, Keegan Murray, perhaps one of the top three impressive rookies last year in his first year. He came on really strong, had some really big performances in the playoffs. The Kings want to stay relevant in that top four. They don't do it without Keegan Murray showing up and stepping up in this next year. They decided to bring back Harrison Barnes. Some people raised an eyebrow and said, are you trying to take a next step? Are you trying to stay the same? I don't know. Maybe they're looking at Keegan Murray to take some of that away from Harrison Barnes and fill a similar role. On from there, Jaden Ivey still showed some promise last year. We'll see what he can do. But this guy for the Indiana Pacers, I think is a dog. Benedict Matherin. The sixth overall pick last year, he's a freak athlete. He's a dog on offense and defense. He attacks the rim. He passes the ball pretty well. He doesn't have the ball in his hands a ton because of what Tyrese Halliburton can do and what he's proven through his young uh, portion of his career. But I look at Matherin and Halliburton as one of the most exciting young backcourts in the league, and it's like the sky's the limit for this guy. 
the more he gets play time, which he's going to get a ton, the more he gets comfortable, we're going to start talking about him and seeing him pop up on these highlights all the time and go, oh my God, Benedict Matherin, we kind of forgot about him and he's a freaking dog. Moving on from there, Shaden Sharp is going to have a big time yeah. role in Portland. He played all the season last year, had streaks of looking great, some time where he looked pretty mediocre. His skill is elite. We'll see if he can step up to the plate. You move down the list. Here's a random one for you, Cody. Mark Williams on Charlotte. There are some numbers for the Charlotte Hornets that are remarkable with Mark Williams on the court from a defensive standpoint. It's almost it's to the point where um, our guys, Bill Simmons, when they were talking about uh, a preview with Kevin O'Connor uh, about the Charlotte Hornets, I think it was with O'Connor, maybe it was with J. Kyle Mann, I forget. But nonetheless, the, the defensive numbers for the Hornets went through the roof when Mark Williams started playing for them in the second half of the year. We'll see what he does. I already skipped over Jalen Williams, who was the runner-up to the Rookie of the Year last year. These are all guys who are going to play very important mm-hmm. roles on very good teams. Yep. And there's still more. A.J. Griffin, another chance for him to step up in Atlanta. They desperately need him to continue to shoot the ball well and expand that game because we know Trey Young can't do it alone. John Collins is out of the picture there in Atlanta now. Can A.J. Griffin be one of those guys? And last but not least, incredibly important, Christian Brown is now an absolute cornerstone to the Denver Nuggets, the defending champs looking to repeat as champions. So I two for one with my Denver Nuggets here. Christian Brown was a dude last year. Now they need him to be an even bigger dude this year with Bruce Brown gone. And I think he has it in him. Cody, I think this class is stacked. There's even more guys who I could have mentioned through this list that I skipped over. We got dudes making impacts left and right in 2022. And this was a class that we didn't even have particularly high hopes for entering the draft because we thought it was a four-man draft and no one else after that. So here we are one year later with a bunch of guys making a big impact. Yeah, and what's awesome about it is they are, like you said, guys on teams that are fringe playoff, playoff contenders. Some are, I mean, Christian Brown on a team that's a title contender and defending now. Um, But they are not just, they're not marginal guys. They're guys that are actually being relied on for a team to have some of the success that they had last season or some of the success that they hope to have this season. And I can professionally segue my own again because you talked about a guy with our Sacramento Kings, Pete. And what another West Coast team, I seem to have a little bit of that theme, but the Kings last year really surprised a lot of people. I had them in a play uh, on the future, so I, I saw some of that coming, but there's no way I saw – a third seed, a team that was going to hang all year long. And they get bounced in the first round, yes. But they get bounced in seven games by a playoff performance that to that point we hadn't seen. Steph Curry dropped a 50-piece on them. And they needed that to be able to get past the Sacramento Kings, who gave them everything they could handle. And that Warriors team is, you know, I mean, we know about the Warriors, whether you think they're the same or not. They're the Golden State Warriors. They still have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steve Kerr. And so while they're there, that's a heck of a team. And Sacramento gave them everything they could handle. They were a fast team. They were a fun team. They were a team that not, I think, a little bit a little bit better defensively than I think you, you would imagine with a Kings team. But um, just what can they do this year? Can De'Aaron Fox, who was the clutch player of the year last year, which – 
I think that's a little subjective. It might not mean a lot to a lot of people, but it means something. It means that in the last five minutes of a close ball game, he was doing things. It might also mean that Sacramento was in a ton of close ball games. And for that, there's that Vikings, Giants, you know, parallel question mark of did they just win all those close games? Are they the third seed? You'd probably assume that they regress a little bit from the three seed. I don't think many people will have them. Even in that top four is my guess. I haven't heard this or seen this, just us talking. um, Because like I said, going in, it's NFL season. So there's a little bit of rust here. But uh, from what I know, um, they're probably not going to be a consensus top three, top four. But can they? Can they be that team? Can they be a mainstay in a loaded Western Conference? Sabonis there too. Um, So I, I just, they're going to be curious in that similar sense of, can they repeat and build on their success? Is this something that they can sustain and move forward? Was it, you know, as I heard Evan Roberts say a couple times today, a fart in the wind type of a team where, you know, it, it was, you know, or a flash in the pan. Was it a one and done type of thing? I don't think it is. I think that team is for real. I think they found an identity. I think De'Aaron Fox, we, you know, as tough as it is to move on from a guy like Halliburton, that was one of those very not so very often seldom if you will moves where it was a win-win I think the Pacers got what they needed and Sabonis coming to the Kings was what they needed so can they keep this can they move on from it can they build from it those are my questions I'm excited to see what that answer is um in like we keep saying and I'll continue to say a very tough Western Conference especially for those marginal type teams it looks like 44 and a half is the number Cody and Vegas is telling us the same things that we're talking about is that they don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know which of these teams can differentiate themselves. Cause right now the Sacramento Kings over under 44 and a half, New Orleans Pelicans over under 44 and a half, Minnesota Timberwolves over under 44 and a half, Oklahoma State Thunder over under 44 and a half. Cody, what the hell are we supposed to do with that? Is I don't know. Is that you have to just pick a side? Is that the Vegas zone? Is that the five and a half, four and a half line in an NFL football game? Because that that is the Western like Conference weird. Vegas zone, a hundred percent. Yeah. It, 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 it go ahead. They don't know. That's the thing. Like I don't know, and they don't know because it's that close. It's that tight. And so if you're gonna pick some of these win totals, it's going to be difficult, uh, and you got to pick the right ones. Yeah, it's really tough. It seems like 37 and a half is the Eastern Conference Vegas zone. Cause I'm just scrolling through it right now. The Magic, Bulls, Nets, all 37 and a half, Pacers, 38 and a half. You know, it, that's the difference between the East and the West is that those second tier, third tier teams in the East are expected to be winning teams. Those teams in the in the I'm sorry, in the West are expected to be winning teams. In the East, they're expected to be under 500. And that's the big difference right now, honestly. So we'll see with the Kings. I'm excited. To watch them because they're just super fun to watch play that style. It really yeah, is fast. It is electric. It's, it's fun. All right. I'll move on to my next pick and I can go a couple different directions here. I'm not going to go weird yet because uh, there are a few weird picks that I have in my back pocket right now, but I feel like this one just needs to get thrown out there. The Los Angeles Lakers, the LA Lakers, Cody, mm-hmm. they had an off season to remember an off season to talk about. They did some good stuff. They brought in Gabe Vincent. They brought in Torian Prince. They brought in Christian Wood, which, you know, say what you want about Christian Wood. They brought in Jackson Hayes. How did they even do this? I don't even know. Where are they paying people? I don't know. They brought back Austin Reeves. Guess what? 
the only thing that matters is that the Los Angeles Lakers actually once again have an expectation to be a conference championship level team, if not higher than that. LeBron James is LeBron James. Anthony Davis, if healthy, which he was for Mm -hmm. a portion of last year and proved why we still talk about him in such a manner. Jared Vanderbilt's now there for a full season. This team can be scary. D'Angelo Russell is not everyone's favorite player, but he does provide some serious stuff there. And I I, I did a video about this on Instagram, you know, months ago about Gabe Vincent and D'Angelo Russell. To me, it makes sense to put Gabe, uh, God, I can't speak. Gabe Vincent in the starting lineup to have D'Lo be that elite bench scorer and run that second unit and dominate in that role. Hmm. I don't know if they're going to do that. We'll see if they're going to have that type of fortitude from a coaching standpoint and front office uh, standpoint. I don't know. I just know this team's talented. And for all the years we sat here and talked about the Lakers too much and said, oh, they're still a championship contender when nobody was healthy and they were not even in the playoffs and they didn't even make the play-in tournament or they lost in the first round of the play-in tournament. This is not that Lakers team. This Lakers team is legit. They are deep. They got dudes who can fill the box score up when LeBron needs a night off, when Anthony Davis is subsequently out for a couple weeks here and there. They're a full roster. They're a real team. And I think when you look at this Western Conference and you're talking about the playoffs and not regular season win totals, which theirs is 47 and a half for reference, we're looking at a team in the playoffs that's going to go head to head with the Sacramento Kings and not be scared, the Memphis Grizzlies not be scared, the Clippers not be scared, the Suns we shall see. We probably get to them in a couple picks here. But the Lakers, with all these teams in the mishmash, with the Thunder and Timberwolves and Pelicans who are all expected to win 44 games, the Lakers might be expected to win 47. They might win 44. But if they're in that race, Cody, I believe they truly are deep enough and it won't be an annoying topic of conversation where it's like, why are we talking about the Lakers when the Kings are way more exciting? Because I think the Lakers have that excitement to them this year and the reason to believe why they should be looked at as championship contenders. Super fun that we have the, you think the end at least of uh, LeBron's career, but he, you know, towards the end, um, but he, you know, he's in a spot that he can win a championship still and be the first or second best player on that team, which is, just ridiculous to say, but it's the truth. Um, so, the, yeah, you know, we talked about that at some point. I don't remember when we did that podcast, but how the Lakers seem to have fleeced the league or maneuvered the system well enough to be able to sign and re-sign all these guys. They, they were masterful in it, and uh, hopefully it pays off for them. All right, I'll try and, you know, quicken up because I, I think I'm nerding out a little bit over here as I'm, you know, this <laughs> this is the first NBA talk that we've had and uh, I forgot how much I love the league and like all the things that are going to go into it. Um, but I'm going to go, shocker, out west and, you know, not my Oklahoma City Thunder, but the reason I became a Thunder fan and now he's with Phoenix and what is, is going to happen over there with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, they obviously add Bradley Beal. Then they subtract DeAndre Ayton, which is – it was a weird move because it, it didn't seem like they got the return that you probably would like to get from DeAndre Ayton. I'll, I, you know, I've probably said some not-so-nice things about him as well, but he's still a young, talented, big man in a league that doesn't have a lot of that. So I, I felt like they – they might have, you know, to use a Bill Simmons turn, paid like 70, 75 cents on the dollar for him. But the point of this, 
of Phoenix is they are championship or bust. They are absolutely a 100% all the way in. They have three guys who are ball-dominant type of players. However, when you think of Kevin Durant and the places he's been and the things he's done, that guy doesn't necessarily need the ball like maybe the other two might. And I think you're going to see some early struggle from them, um, some passive type of thing like, no, you got it, no, you got it, not trying to step on each other's toes. So there's probably going to be a bit of that weighing period, that trial period of you know figuring each other out and how it's going to work. Um, they obviously did add the depth a little bit. They, they moved Chris Paul, right? They don't have DeAndre. And so this is a whole new look Suns team. That is, again, they're, they're championship or bust. I mean, when you have Kevin Durant and you match him with Devin Booker and then you bring in Bradley Beal, you're saying this is what our this is what we believe is enough. And is it? My question, I guess, is, is it? Is it enough to take down Denver, even L.A., you know, if, if they get that type of matchup? Um, so just really curious, can, they, can, can Durant um, stay healthy? First of all, I hope he can because they're going to be fun to watch. But he was in and out last year, so um, just the whole that group as a as a as a duo tr- uh, trio, I suppose, um, how they're going to mesh together, how it's going to work, what it's going to look like, and ultimately, is it enough to get to where they want to be? Which is again, they are at least Western Conference championship appearance or a complete failure of a season, I would say just because of who they've got and how they loaded that talent up. Uh, yeah. And I think that one, that's the right way to phrase that one being a question mark. Cause the Bradley Beal side of things here is just interesting to me. I mean, last year they didn't necessarily have a problem scoring the ball with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Now granted it was only for X amount of games before they hit the playoffs. The Nurkic side of things now is like, what does Nurkic bring to the table yeah. on a team like this? Like I, I could see them running more sets with Utah Watanabe as the, the four or five with Durant being a four or five on this squad. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I know they're going to score points, but I am nervous about Bradley Beal. He is not really the best three point shooter. Cody. I, I like, we all think of Bradley Beal as this knockdown guy, this guy who's shooting all these shots and, Oh, what a, what a playmaker Bradley Beal is. He's a shot maker and all this stuff. He only shot four threes per game last year. He only shot five the year before that. This is not one of those Dame Lillard types, Trey Young types, Steph Curry types. Like He kind of gets roped into that a little bit just because the highlights sometimes are so pretty to watch him score. And obviously the years where he was dropping 30 a game, it was electric to watch. But he's not that type of shooter. I mean, he's only shot over eight attempts from three a game once in his entire career. Now, what's going to be open for him when it comes to the Suns basketball team? Booker and Durant are already both the styles who love to work in the mid-range. They love to get to that elbow extended range and, and create their own shot there. Can Bradley Beal be a spot-up, catch-and-shoot, knockdown guy? If he's not shooting seven, eight attempts from three per game, I'm just confused what he's doing on the court. Because that entire mid-range stuff that Booker and Durant do as good as anybody in the league, that's just not, that doesn't make sense to me for Bradley Beal to do more of it mm-hmm. for them. In order for this team to make a lot of sense, like he's going to have to Chris Bosh himself a little bit and step in the corner. Now, the positive thing for him on a shooting standpoint is that he shoots 36% 
uh, actually on his career, 40% from three in the corner, which is much better than his uh, overall three point percent from his career, which is 37, which is decent. Again, it's decent, but he doesn't shoot more than five attempts per game. So can he become a volume three point shooter, which is something that he's really not been in his career? That's my biggest question mark with this team and how it's just going to make sense. I do love that Kevin Durant brought Yuta Watanabe back into Phoenix. Not that he actually did it himself. I like to think that he did because of what he saw Yuta do in Brooklyn. So I'm excited to watch them, but I just, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, Cody. And that's why I'm curious how it's going to play out, especially when it comes to the playoffs, if they have the juice defensively, if they have the spacing offensively and like, I don't want to watch Kevin Durant and Devin Booker have to be superhuman again to win games because that's what they were last year. I called it out in the playoffs very early. I was like, this team is only winning when Durant and Booker go nuclear. Nuclear. And that is not it. They were going nuts in some of those playoff games and winning close when they weren't going nuts. They weren't winning. So that is 100% my big question mark with them. Yeah. And they're, they're three, they're three rhythm type of scorers too. Like that's, that's their style. Cause none of them are just a catch and shoot. They kind of need to get into the flow of game, the game. And that's why I think it'll take some time. Um, and to be honest, if I answered my own question, if I had to bet on it, I would take their under whatever it is. I think it's like 50 ish. I would take under for their win total because I do think it's going to take a little bit of time for them to mesh to gel. Um, I'm not hoping it happens, but there's always the, the the possibility of a Durant injury, which that could really hurt them because it's not just what he's doing offensively. He was so important to them defensively. You mentioned Nurkic, who I kind of forgot was part of the trade because, again, there's some rust going on. I'm in an NFL mode. Very forgettable guy yeah, though, right now, he, honestly. As much as I liked him like five years ago, now I think he is just like – I don't want to say a waste of space because it sounds really mean, but – He's not occupying the space in in the best of regards either. I, I don't know how he's not very impactful. He's just, no, he's just not been very impactful hasn't been on either guy. end. He's never been a great yeah. defender, but he's no longer the same offensive player, and that is a really tough combination to have. So we'll see how that goes. I, I think of like Valanciunas, right? Who's in that same ilk, or was I should say, was in that same ilk of center where it's like you're feeling pretty good. If you got Nurkic or Valanciunas at center, yeah. and now you still feel pretty good about Valanciunas because he has these the skill set that's like he's gonna bully people down low, he's gonna rebound, and if you need him to score, he can do it. And Nurkic for a while was that guy; he's gonna rebound, and if you need him to score, he's gonna do it. He's not really rebounding anymore. He can't really score as much anymore. So, like, what's he doing now? Granted, the injury was a big part yeah. of why he slowed down so fast, but nonetheless. All right, let's move on. Oh, I just closed out the tab that I needed open, but that's okay. I'll get back to it pretty quick. Why I intro my next pick here. And and again, it's it's one of these things where there's probably more exciting picks to make. Mm-hmm. However, this one's just like uniquely in, like interesting to me because this team is very polarizing for the most part. This player is very polarizing mm-hmm. for the most part. And they had one of these seasons a few years ago where you're like, oh my God, they're ready to be a mainstay in the Eastern Conference, Cody. It's the Atlanta Hawks. What's going on with the Atlanta Hawks right now? Because they were a conference championship team just a few years ago. Then they fell on their face. They looked completely dismantled. 
They still got all these names on the roster that you feel really good about. But generally speaking, no one's sitting here on a podcast going, I think the Hawks are a team to watch this season. I think the Hawks are going to splash upwards instead of fall down again. But look at this roster, Cody. They still got Trey Young, and now another year with DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter making some of those strides. They traded for Sadiq Bey Mm -hmm. at the middle of last year. They still got Bogdan Bogdanovich, who I have an incredibly soft spot for. Another year in the books for Jalen Johnson, who had little signs of life. Onyeka Okongwu, same concept. Had some moments last year where you're like, oh my God, this guy is the next Clint Capella, and Clint Capella is already on the team. What's going on in Atlanta? They bring in Patty Mills. They draft Kobe Bufkin, who everyone seems to think is the much smarter Michigan first-round pick uh, as opposed to Coach Howard's son. I'm forgetting his first name at the moment. But this Hawks team won 41 games last year in an incredibly disappointing fashion. They were the most disappointing 41-41 and that you could ever imagine. They weren't fun to watch. No one knew what Trey Young was doing, for better or worse. They gave up 118 points a game. They scored 118 points a game. What's going on in Atlanta? Now we look at the Eastern Conference, and this is why I bring them up. There's turmoil in Philly, and Bede's coming off a grind of a season where he won the MVP finally. The Cavs are probably a mainstay in that three range. The Knicks, who I assume we'll probably get to here in a little bit. The Nets with Ben Simmons, it's a big shoulder shrug and what's going on. You're not trusting the Bulls, Raptors, Pacers, Wizards, Magic range. The Heat are the Heat, whatever. Why not Atlanta? Why not can this team, with the one thing I haven't mentioned yet, make a step up in the right direction, look like a real team playing together for the first time since Nate McMillan took over in the second half of that year they made the run? Quinn Snyder. Cody, Mm -hmm. that's why we need to pay attention to the Atlanta Hawks. Quinn Snyder has made a name for himself, pulling together solid talent to play way above their heads in the regular season and even win like one playoff series, whatever. Quinn Snyder is one of the better coaches, if not one of the top seven coaches in the NBA, in my opinion. He did wonderful stuff on offense, which gets overlooked in Utah. He did obviously great Mm -hmm. stuff with their defense and Rudy Gobert. He's got a Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongwu, DeAndre Hunter, DeJounte Murray, all the pieces for a good defense. Yeah. He's got Trey Young, who is as good of an offensive talent as we have in this league. Whether you love him or hate him, it's true. Quinn Snyder's the reason to pay attention to the Atlanta Hawks. The main reason why I wanted to put them on this draft. I don't trust them necessarily, but I do believe that there's a... there that I should say this. That is the reason to believe that they can take a step forward and go back closer to that team that made a conference championship instead of to that team that's in the play-in that we say, who cares about the Hawks? They'll score some points. Trey will score 30 every once in a while, but they're nothing. With Quinn Snyder, they ain't nothing anymore, especially in the regular season. So that's my fourth pick. I love that. I think you just put me on notice because they flew under my radar. I hadn't mentioned them with those teams and, there is a, a, a crap shoot in the middle underneath the top two of, you know, can anybody can deal with these guys? You know, can anybody punch up? And uh, they should be in that conversation because they were at least a play-in team. They won their one play-in and lost their second. Was that how their season ended last year? I believe so. 
I believe so. Yeah, sounds like about right. All right, um, let's stay out east because I've been I've been traveling too far west, and uh, that's a little bit much for our, our our you know our our folks who are probably asleep by the time most of these teams start playing. So, <laughs> and I'm gonna leave you your Knicks. I'm not gonna take them from you because I, I assume they're gonna be on pressure's your list. on. Who say I'm, who says I'm going to take? Well, them? if you don't, then we got honorable mentions <laughs> coming up because I've done this once. <laughs> um, I am staying on the east side, and I'm just going right down the turnpike, Pete, right down 95 to Philadelphia. And I just there we go. I don't know. This can go in a couple different ways because I mentioned before they obviously have the reigning MVP. They have James Harden, who is not the same guy, but he's a hell of an offensive basketball player. They have Tyrese Maxey, who is also a heck of an offensive basketball player. They have Tobias Harris, who gets a lot of flack, but he is a very good fourth option for any NBA team. And this can go a couple different ways for them. He can, they can keep it together, keep the status quo, maybe improve a little bit with Nick Nurse, and maybe they're the best chance because talent wise, on, on paper, they probably are the only team in the East who has the legitimate chance, but the game's not played on paper. And for all we know, James Harden is going to throw this season away because he's become as unpredictable as anybody in the league. <laughs> and I heard, I think this was Steven Jackson say this on All the Smoke, where Matt Barnes, I believe, said it actually. And I, I found it interesting because I hadn't thought about it this way. But the league doesn't need James Harden anymore. They don't need yep. him. And he is one step away, I think, maybe two, from g- being completely blackballed and blacklisted. I mean, we've seen guys like Carmelo Anthony get blacklisted for literally no reason other than he's right. a prolific type of guy and maybe teams don't want to bring him in to take shine away from other guys. But he didn't have the off the court or the drama that goes involved with this. And Harden is closer to that end of his career than he is the front of it. So he has to be careful. He can't, he shouldn't, but he could play his way out by playing poorly. He could also play his way out by playing really well. Like, is that possible that he actually plays his ass off early? And he was good last year. I'm sorry to jump in on your, on your shine there. People really want to move on from the fact that he was really freaking good last year, man. 10 plus, correct? Yeah. Embiid's MVP. You should give a little bit of freaking thanks to James Harden. And I know I have a history of being a James Harden defender to to a fault, but like, bruh, there's a reason why the the Sixers were as good as they were last year. And it's large in part because he was freaking good because that's it. He was good. Yep. And he, sorry, continue. He, no, it's just, that's the point though. What Harden are you going to get? Like, I don't think either of you, either of us rather are going to have ever questioned his skill or his ability to play good basketball. But where my questions have come in, and again, you've heard me talk about how I'm a Thunder fan. I've been a Harden guy since he started there. I wish they would have kept him. He wanted to stay. I never had bad blood. I always rooted for him and defended him to a point where other people were like, you're nuts. And I I would say, if you don't think that this guy is a top-tier player, I would say, go ahead and bet against him. And you see just how good, how frustrating he'll make you because he's at the line 10 times. When you started to come up on that pick and roll, he just lobs it off to Capella or whoever's playing center because it didn't really matter. He was that dynamic. Guys were literally guarding him with their hands behind their back because they didn't know what to do. So as much as Steph Curry changed the league and was this offensive phenom and deserves every ounce of credit he gets, James Harden needs to get a little bit of that too because that's how good and scary he was. I know we just went on a different tangent here, 
But that's that's we both kind of share that. But where you couldn't defend the guy was his character. He walked out of uh, Houston or forced his way out. Then he forces his way out of Brooklyn, and now he is doing the same. And whether it's Maury or him, the thing is, Maury doesn't have the track record. James Harden does. So you tend to probably lean towards believing in Maury. But back to the original point, this can just go so many ways. They can keep it and fight in the East and be probably a three seed or a team that has a chance. They can say, this isn't going to work. We need to train James Harden because he is a distraction. They can do a huge monster splash move and move away from Joel Embiid and completely rebuild this whole thing and maybe do it around Maxi and send Harden out and send Tobias out and get anything back that you can. And I think Joel Embiid, Oklahoma City is a beautiful place to live in. We'd love to have you because they have millions and hundreds of draft picks and they have so much to possibly give up. Hopefully they wouldn't give up the right people, and I don't think they would. But they have the picks to make that type of a splash move, just saying. But the point is, again, this can go so many ways for Philadelphia. And it could just be the boring 48 wins, keep the same team, and this team gets bounced in the second round, evidently. Or it can go one of those other ways I mentioned. So it's kind of fascinating. Harden's going to be on the team to start the year. How long is he there? How long is this core there? How does it look? What does it sound like? That's it. That's it. Uh, first of all, I'm flabbergasted that you would want Embiid on this roster in Oklahoma City. I'm, I'm honestly flabbergasted. I wouldn't have expected it from you. Well, it would obviously depend. Not that you're anti-Embiid, but like I just didn't think you would want it as a fit. It would just depend on who who they gave up, obviously. And they... I would imagine someone like J-Dub, Jalen Williams, would have to be involved. Josh Giddy could potentially be involved. Mm, that would sting. I would say would sting. SGA and uh, Chet both would not be. Lou Dort maybe is, but I don't, I don't I'd know. Pass. But the point I'd is, pass. If I was Oklahoma City, I'd pass. No thanks. Well, the thing is, when you get to a point where you're close to contending or contending, you, you need a guy that's going to bring you over the top. And some of these guys might be able to and might be able to get so, there. But you know, so a guy who gets bounced in the second round all the time. Yeah, perfect, perfect guy. Fair. And I'm the, at the <laughs> forefront of that argument. So it's fair. But he's also the reigning MVP and uh, maybe yeah. a change of scenery and some new guys. Again, it would really depend on what would have to be moved. But you'd know that they could literally just throw draft pick, draft pick, draft pick. And maybe cover up, you know, sending out some of the prolific guys we name. You know, maybe maybe it's Case and Wallace that gets moved mm. along with probably Jada, but you know, right. who knows? Who knows? They had to be picked. Unfortunately, the Sixers did because it's a storyline that will 100% be a top-tier storyline. It probably should have got drafted earlier, but we went with some more fun stuff rather than some more dramatic stuff uh before we picked the Sixers, but it will be a top storyline talked about without a doubt. But Cody, watch this. Watch this right here. I'm going to I'm going to tie in your last pick. I'm going to tie in your next pick. I'm going to tie in the honorable mentions all with this last pick that have not been mentioned once yet on this podcast. Do you have a guess? You're going to tie them all in and you're not going to I'm going to tie them all in. The Knicks. And it's not going to be the Knicks, but every it's tied into your last pick, the honorable mention pick, every all pick. Right. It's tied into all, all the right. picks. All right. I think I know who Give it, it is. To me. But I will say, I thought you were going to use Detroit and Cade Cunningham because I know you love them. No. And I know that's not it. 
who I think it. it is, has got to be You're gonna get it. Cleveland. Oh, no. Incorrect. Oh, what do you got for me? The Dallas Mavericks. Ah. The Dallas Mavericks, Cody. We talk so frequently about stars in this league, and boy, is there one in Dallas. Perhaps two, some would say. I wouldn't at the moment. Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving. What a match. Is it? I don't know. Probably not. We're going to find out. And what we're going to find out with the Dallas Mavericks experience with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic is how long these two players will remain in Dallas and how long their entire infrastructure will remain in Dallas. Their big moves this year, bringing in Grant Williams, returning back Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell and Tim Hardaway. They bring back Jaden Hardy. They get Derek Lively in the draft. Seth Curry mm-hmm. makes his way back to Dallas. You know who's on the Dallas roster right now? Dante Exum. I liked him back in the day. Never worked out. That's okay. But what's going on in Dallas, Cody? And the reason I'm going to tie this all together is you mentioned Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers as this franchise that can go in so many different directions. I think the Dallas Mavericks are very similar. We're talking about the NBA draft storylines. We're not talking about the New York NBA draft storylines or the Subway Sports Talk storylines that interest, interest us most. And I don't think the Knicks fit into this topic because for once in the Knicks' life, they are looked at as a team that should be very competent, competitive, relatively fun, but there's not any drama there. There's not a huge storyline there because their expectation is basically to be in that three to six range and be fun while doing it. That's great. But this Dallas Mavericks thing ties it all together because if Joel Embiid ends up in the situation where he might end up being on the trading block, there's a chance that, well, Kyrie Irving probably will end up on the trading block again, but I don't even care about him right now. There's a chance that Luka Doncic may not be long for Dallas if this does not go well soon. Luka Doncic is now entering, what, year four? No, year five of his NBA career. Uh, It's getting old quick in Dallas, and with James Harden at the forefront of our last conversation here, the style in which that these, Mm. these two players play is questioned frequently if it can be looked at as winning basketball, especially come playoff time. So this is his sixth season now, and we know he's heliocentric. He's a one-man show. He's electric at doing it. He's an amazing talent. You will never take away what Luka Doncic can do on the basketball court because if you're doing that, you're not doing the right thing. You're not watching him be just special Mm. night in, night out. Great shooter amazing passer finisher effort. I don't know what will Dallas do this year with this roster. The roster is largely unimpressive in my opinion, except for Luka Doncic. So if things don't go well in Dallas, the rumblings come out about just like we hear with Joel Embiid. Is he going to be a New York Nick? Is Giannis going to want to get out of Milwaukee? Dame Lillard. We've heard about it for two, three years now. Luka Doncic is the next one, Cody. He's the next guy who starts getting put on the posters, photoshopped into different jerseys, many of which will be New York Knicks jerseys. They don't have as many picks to go around as the Oklahoma City Thunder, but they got some assets, they got a chance, and they have the big market that he seemingly would want if he wanted to make a move. Now, he has a new contract. He's not one uh, to have an easy out if things go poorly quickly here in Dallas, but we know how this NBA league works. If things go really bad, something's going to change in Dallas, and that something could easily be Luka 
wanting to leave Dallas, not trusting that franchise to put winning pieces around him because they've yet to do it. They didn't do it, in my opinion, this year. And if he's not the next star to want to leave, I don't know who is. And if he's not the next star that is actually the apple of the eye of all fringe contenders in the NBA, I don't know who is. Because for as amazing as Joel Embiid is, as a Knicks fan, I'm saying thank you, but no thank you. For what he's done in the playoffs, for where he's at physically, for where his body's going to Mm. be in the next two to four years, I don't want to make that bet. I do want to bet on Luka Doncic, who has been possibly the most impressive first five years of a career we've seen in decades since LeBron James, since Michael Jordan. That is how good Luka has been. And we are starting to crap on him because of playoff shortcomings for not making the playoffs last year. Well, he gets the excuses that so many stars have gotten before him. The help has not been there. Has he been the perfect teammate with playing the right style of basketball? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean that this guy's never going to be a winning basketball player. It doesn't mean that every team wouldn't put him absolutely number one on the priority list if he becomes available. Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks, not necessarily for championship expectations or playoff expectations, are one of the teams you have to keep an eye on because if things go really south, they will have to make moves and make big-time changes to this roster, and they don't have a lot of pieces to do anything special. So I am keeping a strong eye on the Dallas Mavericks storyline this year because this could be one of those things that next summer or at the trade deadline, it's time to make a move. And Luca, one of the brightest stars we have, could be the next big star on the block. Cody, did I tie it all together? That for was you? I mean that that's why you that's why you are where you are and I am here. You are the professional. We are here together, brother. <laughs> you are the professional. That was really well done because as you said it, I'm thinking, well, it's probably got to be an Eastern team, right? If they're going to tie together with with Philly and what we were talking about there. But you were able to, to rope it all in, rope it all together. That was well done. Very professional. Well, thank you because it, it, it's true. Him and Harden get the obvious comparisons. Yes. Him and Embiid are on that same plane of stars who can't get over the hump. <laughs> It's tough with Luca what? because he's had playoff yep. success. It's not. I agree, but that's not up. what people are talking no, about right I now. I know because that's not fun and it's not the most recent. But he has had big time moments, big time shots. He's had the step back threes, the stare down looks, and his teams weren't good enough to get anywhere <laughs> further in most recent years. So I know I'm with you on it. And I, I would just – my thing is I'd be shocked if Mark Cuban was to give up an asset such as Luka because I've probably said this before and I'll continue to say it. When you give up a level of talent like that, you are almost never going to get a return that is equal to or above it. It just doesn't happen never. because – It's a full strip yeah, down. Throw the draft picks in, throw the mid-level players, throw a young, exciting guy – None of it equals to what Luca is because even just by himself, he's still expected to be a championship level team. Him, not the Dallas Mavericks, the Luka Doncic's. So uh-huh. it's it's not fair, but you know what? That's 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 the sports world for you. That's the league that we're watching, unfortunately. Because I it's what we don't love sometimes about it, but it's also what we love when we get a Woj bomb and we're like, Oh my god, who is it? Who is unhappy? Yeah. 
Oh my, give it to me. Give me all the juicy gossip. I love it. it right? So it's a double-edged sword. It's that NBA that it's like sometimes the offseason and the trades and all that is is equally as exciting as what's actually happening on the court, which is – it's the reality though because it is. I mean as Woj t- uh, tweets about Damian Lillard and I'm going out you know, to do bus duty and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I'm uh, – hold on, hold on. I'm going to have to look at this one real quick because that – Hey kids, that, I know you got to get yeah, home, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's what happens. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I'm not expecting Luca to be traded this year, just for for the record. But I think it is a storyline to watch because it may not be this year, but it may be because of this year, if that Fair makes enough. sense. All right. So, anyways, honorable mentions. I'll just do it. New York Knicks. We could do it together really quick. Exciting, man. I'm pumped. I'm thrilled. I can't wait for the Knicks season, and it feels. Uh, let me be careful how I say this. It feels a little bit fail proof, right? Like it feels like they kind of crossed through that threshold of they were a playoff team last year and now they're going to win 32 games. It feels like they made it through that. And to that, I'm excited. However, I know it's still the New York Knicks. I know injuries can still happen. But when I look at this roster, it is an incredibly real roster. Similarly, to the Oklahoma City Thunder in the effect that they probably should win around 45 games or so, give or take, depending on how things go. But similarly, because they have kind of a plethora of guys at the moment that feel like they should all get minutes, you got the Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Randall, Robinson of it all. That's the projected starting lineup. Mm-hmm. So that's a great five. Or not, I mean, not a great five, but a very good five. And then you got the other Villanova boys, Dante DiVincenzo. I wasn't particularly excited. I was pleasantly excited, like kind of excited about bringing him in. And then I saw him in a Knicks jersey at the first preseason game. And I go, oh, wow. Why does that feel better now that I'm actually seeing Mm -hmm. it in person? Because this second unit for the New York Knicks right now is currently Emmanuel Quickly, Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, Isaiah Hartenstein, and whoever the hell else you want to throw in there either from the starting unit or Isaiah Roby or Jericho Sims or whatever it's going to be. This team's freaking deep. Throw in Miles McBride into that equation. They got dogs. They got dudes. They grind defensively. The team makes sense, Cody. I'm talking myself into them. (laughs) Not to be a championship contender, but to be that consistent, expected playoff team. And that, to me is not something I'm used to. So I'm grappling with how to handle it, but it's what I am seeing with my eyes and trying to be unbiased and just believe that this team has no excuse than to be a three, four, five seed in the Eastern conference. You know what I I love that you said, and this was before because what you just said, I think sums it up well, but what I love is that there is a no-nonsense, no outside distraction, no storyline going in. It's just basketball right now with them. And that, especially in New York where they're searching and hunting for a storyline to bring up and bring to the media, and you just don't see that right now. It's it's kind of hush-hush with the Knicks, and it's, it's like a calm, not before the storm, it's just like a calming, like this team is seemingly really in the right direction. And – uh I do believe they build on it. I don't think this is a situation where, even though I was hopeful for the Giants, I was never 
overly confident. I knew there was always this other side of this that could happen. Um, I think the Knicks are more set up, and I know it didn't work, but I think they're more set up like our Mets, who it didn't work, but they're talented, and it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be that. My point is they are – They're not old. They're ready. They're good. They, it would be a, a big upset, a shock, a surprise if they are not a top four, five, six seed. If they're not in the top six, something went wrong. So I yeah. think that's Brunson missed 40 games, right? Like the only re and like those things suck when a team fails, especially to expectations when it's injury, mm-hmm. but at least it makes sense, right? Like if Brunson and Randall only combine for 42 games this year. Yeah. All right. They're a playing team or worse. At least we know why. If these guys play 60 to 75 games and we're a playing team or worse, what the yeah. hell happened here? Tibbs got to mm-hmm. go. Some of the RJ Barrett's done, yeah. right? But like that, that is by no means what should be expected of this team right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in lockstep. They're going to be. And I got to just say, Quentin Grimes, love that guy. Love that guy. It's a team you can be proud up, of. Up, up for Grimes. That's it. Man. They're yeah. a team you can be proud of and excited to watch and. Sometimes that's all you can ask for, especially in New York, where we have had pretty much no recent success, unless you're a Bulls. That's the truth. <laughs> I hate that, by that's the way. The I hate when people go, uh, like, I'm like, oh, the, the New oh. York, man, like the New York team suck. Like, oh, the Bills yeah. are good. Yeah. Shut up. It's not like there's four other professional teams closer to the Jets and Giants than they, the they Bills. They might as well it's be do, it doesn't the Canadian count. Bills. Like, it, it's – yeah. It's not, no, and they could be the New York Bills. I don't care, but it it doesn't count. It's not the same thing. Like Boston is closer than Buffalo. Philly's closer than Buffalo. Washington DC mm. is closer than Buffalo. It's not the same freaking anything. No. Move on. Sorry, that's Continue. all right. I just got honorable mentions. I'm gonna rapid fire because I told you I listed eleven. If you can believe that, um, Hit me. just what I wrote down is Golden State still a threat to the crown. My answer is yes. By the way, um, mm-hmm. Clippers last stand. This is it. If they're not healthy, mm-hmm. whatever it is, this is it. If it doesn't work, they're done. Heck, if it works, it still might be moved on from. Um, can the Pelicans bounce back, Pete? They are mm. loaded with talent. We were all over them. Our group chat is named, I think, the 35-win Pelicans or whatever it is, the 35-win fan club, because we were all in. They looked promising, and they had seemingly the season from hell. But they're still yeah. loaded with talent. Can it work? Is there a bounce back for them? Um, we mentioned Philly and Harden. Who is the odd men out in the West? Who is the 11 and 12 seed who is fighting all year, who maybe wins 37, 38 games, but just misses? Who is that? Maybe 40. Maybe. Right. Who are those two? Um, and I have in all caps, Wemby, because maybe it's boring. Maybe you don't want to hear about it. But I was sitting here on the couch with my buddy who's a, a hockey guy, a solely hockey guy. And I said, I've got to bet on this guy to score 45 or more points in any NBA regular season game, Wembenyama, which I do, mm-hmm. plus 275. And he r- dribbles up the court off his own rebound, this seven-foot guy. Actually, I'm sorry. I think he was the outlet, which is probably more impressive that they outlet to Wembenyama. Dribbles up the court. Through his legs, step back from the free throw line, fade away, cash. And he's like, again, hockey guy. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, this guy. <laughs> what the hell was is that? Literally a created player. It is so stupid that he can do what he can do. But 
it's an absolute storyline. It's it's going to be unbelievable, and I just pray he stays healthy. And the last thing I had written down was the in-season tournament because we'd never seen it. I don't know what you expect. Oh, I don't one. know that you do. It should be fun. There's probably going to be some 55-plus-year-old fans who are screaming and hollering that this is stupid and this isn't the NBA that I know and, you know, these guys don't care about this and more basketball with no defense. And I'm sure we'll hear that. But guys like you and I, Pete, all we're thinking is there's more basketball. Why the hell would I be mad about that? So that'll be exciting. And that rounds out my honorable mentions. And as you're going through these honorable mentions, I'm like, how do we not have Wemby in the <laughs> in the top 10? How do we not have the in-season tournament in the top 10? But, I mean, granted, you could probably argue my Hawks and Mavs picks are a little bit rogue. <laughs> But I thought I tied them together pretty well when it comes to the basketball standpoint of it all. Uh, but like, how do we not have those things in the top 10, the Knicks in the top 10? I'll give you one more, Cody. Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> What's up with Ben Simmons? I mean, listen, when we talk about storylines, now we didn't set the parameters of like just like the, the most talked about storyline. Yeah. We're not trying to see who could win. Right on what the most talked about thing. Right. right it's really just our personal things that we're interested in it's a way to do a fun preview right ben simmons was talked about at nauseum for the past three seasons like it's insane and i've never given up <laughs> my stock on ben simmons island maybe did i sell off a little bit here and there to hedge out maybe i did but generally speaking i i've never given up he's on a team that makes sense for him god forbid my man is healthy and moving around i'm just saying I won't be shocked if Ben Simmons is averaging 15, 10, and 7. I'm just going to say that. I will not be shocked if he's averaging 15, 10, and 7, and that's 7 assists, 10 rebounds, by the way, or I'll flip it. I don't care. 15, 10, and I don't, if he averages a triple-double this year, I'd only be a little shocked because <laughs> my guy's been really good for a bunch of years and then had horrible years physically, horrible years mentally, horrible years in the image of the world, but he's still an elite athlete with an elite skill set for passing the ball and getting out in transition. So is he the most interesting storyline? Probably not. Do people want to hear his name spoken? Probably not. Do people expect him to be good? Definitely not. But like Ben Simmons, dude, he might play like a bunch of games and be interesting this year. Who's to say? I um, was going to jokingly start this podcast with my number one being is Ben Simmons jumper back because he hit like a fadeaway and you get the bleacher report update about it. So Dude, good. when he hits like a mid range shot, you get an update about it. I mean, I, that should tell it's you insane. a little bit. However, that's obviously not his game. I wouldn't be shocked, shocked, but I'd be surprised um, because it, it's, this is a, I have to see it to believe it now thing where it's been yeah. so many years of, of this, whatever's going on with him, injury, mental health, whatever it was or has been, it's been a lot of that. So I'd have to see it and I'd have to see it consecutively before I actually bought myself back in. And I wonder, and uh, we don't have our, our Nets fan, Mark Shen, here to to give us the status on that. Although I, I get a feeling we'd get a, a very <laughs> lopsided um, answer from him. But I wonder what Nets fans think and what they're expecting from him and and from this funky bunch of a team with Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and like a a, a roster pretty much filled with like number threes. Um, yeah, who could probably they'll probably be a play in team is my guess. 
they got a whole bunch of starters. You know what I mean? Like that's it. They have the best tree <laughs> of role players to take from, like not throughout the league. Just their team is like a a full system of like, oh, we need a number three. We're a championship contender. Go to Brooklyn. Like, just take the train, take the subway, get into Brooklyn, and you can find one there. They're growing them. It's, a, it's so true. It's like, all right, I need a wing who can shoot. We got two yeah. of those. All right, I need a big man who could defend and rim run. We got yeah. one of those. All right, we need a point guard who could distribute. We got one of those too. Like, but none of them are that good. They're all just kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> That's Here's hysterical. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Cody O'Connor, an hour and 30. Was that in, that over or under on our time it right there? It was probably – um, it probably hit the over, but the sharp <laughs> money was definitely on the over once they heard we were talking NBA. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I, listen, I had fun the entire hour and 30. The whole, the whole time I had fun. It was great stuff. I couldn't thank you enough to – continue to talk sports with me here on this very podcast called subway sports talk. If you guys like the episode, please hit us on the uh, social media apps, Instagram X, TikTok at subway sports talk. Don't forget to subscribe, rate review on your podcast app, subscribe, notification bell, drop a comment on the YouTube. Shout out to our YouTube commenter, more Jesse. I believe his name is been popping up on a bunch of our videos, dropping his takes. Shout out to him. O'Connor. Oh, sick. Oh, Oh, underscore O'Connor. Oh, under, I was it? just going to let you keep going there for a second. <laughs> it's O'Connor. I only I only type it out like 42 times a week with all the tweets. Well, and the you Instagram. probably start typing and then my name comes up and it then pops your, your brain exactly. goes elsewhere. And then you're just like, oh, what did he do? Three and oh, no, no, no. This was he had an off week. He was just two and one. <laughs> That's right. Though I tried to uh, I tried to say that you were one and two in the group chat. I know you know what I loved was when you're like you know what actually it's a good thing because now the whole group is up. You you didn't mean that you wanted first place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have had you, but because of the push. Yeah, so we're, we're right there. Had... Boys are above five hundred. Um, I looked at it as a win win for me. Yeah, and it, it was, you know what that was a tough week. So to not get tripped up, Pete. Verbal handshake. Thank. Not verbal. Thank That's you. That's not the word. Virtual. Well. It was verbal and virtual since you said handshake. Thank you. And now if we if we didn't hit the over before, we definitely just hit it now because now we're officially over an hour and 30. But what a beautiful thing. Great talking sports with you as always, Cody. We will be back on Friday with NFL picks for week seven. My gosh, week seven already. Can you believe it? It's an old joke for me and Pat. Uh, that's all we got. Subway Sports Talk, Cody O'Connor, Pete Kennedy. We will talk to you on Friday. Cheers.